Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do you see positives from phone usage in your house? Oh, for sure. Today's podcast is a coming of age topic. When do you give your kid their first smartphone? Or how do you work with that in your family? Today's book and today's expert is going to hold your hand and create a space for those conversations you need because phones are amazing and somewhat terrifying at the same time. But I lean towards amazing. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am excited today to host Dr. Katherine Perlman. Welcome, Katherine. Dr. Perlman. Hey, thanks for having me. You... um. I'm just writing a book. It came out this week. This episode is launching during your launch week. And I'm excited to talk about your book, First Phone. Yeah, thanks. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) This book is a guide for the child, right? Not for the parents about how to have a first phone. Right. I mean, it's written for the kids. But it's really a gift to parents because this is such a complicated issue. Um, and there really didn't seem like there was a guide for parents, for kids. Um, so it is written for kids so that you can hand them the book and they can read it themselves. But I hope it's really a guide for parents as well. Absolutely. It was a fun book. I had the privilege of reading it. And I love the cartoon characters and the diversity in the cast of friends that you created. There are so many reasons why a family would give their kid a phone and when they give their kids the phone that this issue is really sticky yeah i mean i think you know i try not to point fingers i think that there's a wide variety of reasons why kids should have a phone and even some kids at a young age and some of that you can see in the book you know why some of these kids had had phones um but i just think that we should be thinking of educating our kids about the online world and digital safety, like we do sex ed, you know, starting in kindergarten with health, you know, and then all the way through the rest of our lives, um, you know, whether they get a phone now or not, because even if your kid doesn't have a phone, I guarantee their friend does. Their friend at the bus, their friend on a play date has one and they have access. Or if it's not a phone, it's a tablet with unrestricted internet. That's pretty close to being a phone, right? Like, what we give our Thank kids, um, there's a lot of access, the media devices. I think you said that by four, most kids had used a smart device. Is that right? Yes. And I, yes. And even one year olds can can manage an iPad. You know, it's crazy, but it's true. Um, yeah. So, you know, our kids are really, you know, growing up online in some manner. And even if it's sitting with a parent and scrolling through YouTube, I mean, that's still getting a sense. That's a social media, you know. Um, at a young age, they're involved in that. What do you think before a parent gives their kid a phone? Is there one question that a parent needs to ask first or a conversation? Uh, Where would you start 
like what's the lowest bar? So I think first of all is need. You know, is there an actual need for this child to have a phone? And then after need, okay, what's the want? And I think parents should also look to how kids are with screen time. You know, how is the how easy is it to get your kid off of their computer or iPad or television even? Um, and if that's a real struggle, I might work on that first before handing them a phone, which is just going to intensify things. Um, so I think those are the major things I kind of want to see first before buying the phone. Okay. And then once a kid has it, there's a big problem with kids like not understanding what's real and not real scams on the internet or um, porn. Where does a parent start once they give their kid the phone? Like we talk, your book to me felt a lot like the Karen taking of you or the, I always mess up the title, that American Girl book that I think every yeah. girl in America has read, yeah. right? There's version yeah. one and version two for after you get your period. But this book feels like that for social media and getting your phone. Um, and I appreciate that. But where do we start? How do you teach your kid what a scam is when they give a phone? Right. So, I mean, I think that scammers are really smart and creative and take a lot of time developing relationships in, you know, chat rooms and on games and things like that. Um, and so I think it's important to teach kids like what does a scam actually look like and where could scammers be and what is phishing? You know, what's what's you know, an attempt to kind of just get to know you and what's a friend in real life versus a friend online, because some of these kids actually feel like the people they communicate with online in gaming or whatever, those are friends to them. But it's a very different kind of friend than once we know in real life that we can sort of verify who they are and their age and their intentions. Um, so I think it's good to kind of go behind the curtain a little bit with the kids, you know, show them a little bit more what is going on online. And the same is true for influencers. I mean, like kids know commercials. They understand that's an ad and they're selling me something. But when they see an influencer online or even just a famous person or even just anyone they follow, they don't necessarily understand that person is selling something or they're selling a lifestyle or they're trying to portray themselves in a certain way. So, you know, all these things Kids have to learn. We have to teach them. It's very slick. As I sit with my nine-year-old and watch some YouTube gamers, right, or practical joke videos, like what they're trying to sell, all their their merch is so obvious, but like the other drop-in products, they're just slid in so seamlessly. Totally. I mean, the other day I was watching Below Deck and they had some kind of cream just like laying on the bed. It was so clearly a product placement. But I feel like that's the kind of thing we need to like point out to our kids. Like, look, do you see that? That is not an accident. That is not a person who's actually using that cream. That is product placement and they are paying for that. Um, you know, and then kids are like, whoa, it's like their brain explodes. You know, they're, they, 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 it's the more we can point those things out, the better, you know, because then they can be more wise to what's going on. Absolutely. We have a friend who works in the grocery industry and we went grocery shopping with her and she was explaining to my kids how products play for their shelf placement and my kids minds were blown about that like the products up high versus the eye level um all yep. these things we don't realize how much we're marketed to all day long right exactly and it's okay and sometimes you know it's like the, the ads that pop up for me 
they're usually things I like, you know, but it's important to know you are being sold to. So at least you can make a decision like, wait a second, do I actually want this? You know, is this something I need or someone just pushing this on me? So we need to talk about what's real and fake with our kids and have some real conversations. One of the other things I notice when kids get their phone is etiquette with their phone and how to use phones around people and how to respond to people with their phones. Where do you think we should start with that? And it's so funny. I mean, I noticed with my daughter, she's 18 now, but I remember when she got her phone, she was maybe 11 and um, she didn't know how to say hello and goodbye. Like I would, she would call, she would call me and she would just start talking and I would say, let's try that one more time. Hi mom. It's Casey. I have a quick question for you. And I would hang up. I would literally hang up and I would say, call me back. And she would call me back. Hi mom. It's Casey. I just wanted to ask you something. So they have to learn these basic etiquette skills. Also, when you're done, you say goodbye. And the same thing with texting. You know, it's not a natural language. And the same rules do not necessarily apply. So, you know, we're not going to have the same kind of conversation. But there are some basic etiquette rules. And also what I notice is that kids don't notice social cues in texting because they're almost absent. And they, they have trouble reading between the lines, whereas adults are a lot better at kind of getting sarcasm in a text. Um, kids need emojis. They need LOL. They need short texts that are very specific, you know, um, because otherwise there's too much opportunity for misunderstanding. Absolutely. It's, it's been very clear in my house before where a joke has gone wrong because it was misread on a text message and panic has ensued. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where I thought I was joking and no one else picked up on it. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) That was not what I was trying. It's not a panic. It's okay, guys. I was kidding about that. But um, yeah. but there's also etiquette about when they get their phones and people are using them around each other, right? Like how do, we don't necessarily want to use phones at the table or whatever your family does. So do you have ideas for how parents can coach that? Because mostly I think that parents also need to remember etiquette about using our own phones. Yeah, I mean, just like we teach our kids manners to say please and thank you, like we work very hard as parents to teach our kids to say please and thank you. We also need to work hard on their digital etiquette in terms of when they should pick up a phone, when they should put it down, when they should be looking at someone versus like, you know, looking at their phone. And adults are horrible at this. We are just as bad as the kids. And for a variety of reasons, I try not to, again, like assign blame because these devices are made to draw our attention in all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need to work harder to teach our kids, you know, sort of what is basic etiquette. I was um, on a podcast the other day with a seven or eight year old and her dad. She was amazing. And she told me that she, she asked a question, uh, if I'm at the playground and my friends are on their phone and I want to get them to play with me, what should I do? And that kind of broke my heart because like a playground is one of those places where you should really not be on. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody needs a phone here. This is fun. This is playtime. But, you know, unfortunately, those kids, parents, you know, aren't involved. Or I said to her, you know, maybe those kids are very, very shy and they really struggle socially. But the problem is that phone is a bad crutch and Mm -hmm. they don't actually learn those social skills. So I think parents have an important role here. And the younger the kid, the more important the parent needs to be involved in terms of teaching that etiquette. Do you have etiquette rules that are like hard and fast in your house that you could give as an example if a mom is like, but I just use my phone in the bathroom. Like I use my phone everywhere. (laughs) I don't know how to teach my kids this because I grew up getting an iPhone and then nursing with it and then it took over my life. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so mealtimes, nobody has a phone in our house. Um, at a restaurant, we never take our phones out. Um, if it's like, oh, let's look up something real quick, we try not to do it. Um, we don't sleep with our phones. That's a cardinal rule in our house. Um, and also, we don't have Apple Watches, uh, which to me is the devil of um, sucking our attention. Um, you know, I get it. But I mean, there's nothing. It's impossible. It's literally impossible when it's on your arm and it's vibrating to not look at it yeah. and then have a divided attention. It's absolutely impossible. So for me, that the, those kind of watches are out. I, I love that, those rules. We have a hard, fast rule about no phones in the bedroom um, and no phones at the dinner table. Sometimes it's broke. It, it's, a, you know, everything is flux. We We try really hard to do these things, but there's no perfection all the time here. No, things change. I mean, we never had um, dinner in front of the television before the pandemic. And now that's like a pretty regular ritual. And we all enjoy it. We watch Jeopardy. We're as a family. We like it. Um, you yeah. know, so things can change and you can do what's right for your family. But I do think realizing when something has kind of gone out of control and then saying, OK, we need to adjust this. Unfortunately, at my kid's school this year, we had a teacher fired because she was um, probably sexting with minors. <laughs> and so when a kid gets a phone, this needs to be a topic that feels uncomfortable to talk about. But you have to talk about you have to talk about it from the sense that it is illegal to have naked pictures of minors. And that's not just scaring them. That's a fact. Um, and also that there's a lot of pressure on kids to sex and to accept these kind of pictures. It is very um, a way of flirting. Uh, it's not an appropriate way, but it is a way that young people flirt. And so I think it's important for parents very, very early, as soon as the phone comes, talk about what sexting is, why it's a problem and what to do when someone approaches you. And it could be a friend. It could be a boyfriend. Uh, it could be just an acquaintance. Who knows? But yeah. um, I think it's. It's really important to discuss. And it happened to our kid um, when she got her phone. She was in like sixth or seventh grade and a boy texted, sexted her. Uh, and I called his parents, um, but not to get him in trouble per se, but because he needed education, like he needed support and he needed some rules in, involved in his phone. I and mean, his parents took it well and he took it well. Um, but we need to support our kids here um, and educate them because it's tough. This is a tough world. It is really tough. And it, I have two high schoolers right now and we talk about it and the rates of people that harm themselves once they get into a sexting cycle or feel blackmail, like there's a lot of sticky things that happen. So we always talk about like, it's not okay, but if it happens, you have to speak up for someone if you know that it's happening. Right. That's such a great point. Yeah to support and speak up for other people if you know what's happened. And that's it. that goes into also privacy and digital consent. I mean, I think kids just can get into a false sense of, you know, I'm just texting one friend, so <laughs> it's going to stay with that one friend. And when you and I, will, well, I don't know how old you are, but when I was young, we talked on the phone or we talked in person and there was no recording of that. So it's like I could say whatever I want and not really have to worry that that's going to come back to me. But these kids have everything documented in writing. Yeah. That will absolutely be screenshot and will absolutely be shown. So, you know, whether it's sexting or whether it's a mean comment or whether it's uh, there's no privacy on the digital footprint. You cannot expect any privacy whatsoever. So if you wouldn't want it, like blast it on the loudspeaker at school, don't say it. Don't type it. That's it. And if you don't want to be reminded of it when you're 40, right, because these things are hard to scrub once they start commenting things like people 
can associate them with it years later. Right. I mean, this is why I bring up news stories to my kids, because then it's not just me saying, listen, this is bad. It's me saying, look at this girl. She was bullying a boy online and he killed himself and she went to jail. This is what happened. Um, or, you know, somebody took a picture. I put this in the book um, of somebody naked in the locker room and that blew up. And not only that, that will be Googleable forever. So yep. you're going for a job and you made one small mistake as a kid, which, you know, kids make a lot of mistakes. That's OK. Yeah. But some of those are lifetime mistakes. Every time someone Googles you for a job, that's going to come up. So I try to use news stories to kind of make it like sink in a little bit more so that it's not just me lecturing, but this is a real life thing. Absolutely. I think that the more that you can use those real life examples that are not not just you, um, it it helps in my house, too, because it makes it way more real when when they see someone else or even examples of politicians that are getting in trouble. And those are grownups that should know better, like their prefrontal cortex is developed and they still do these sort of things and act surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's also a good time to talk about, like, what happens in the heat of the moment and why do we make impulsive decisions sometimes, especially when it comes around sexual activity um, which is another reason to limit kids' phones in the evening, you know, at nighttime when everybody's sleeping. That's when a lot of risky behavior happens. But, you know, to talk about impulses and to talk about normal feelings that happen, but to make to stop short of, you know, acting on something that's going to be a permanent record. Absolutely. Are there things that that are good about giving a kid a phone, right? Like we hear so much about what's scary about giving kids a phone. But in my experience as a military family that's moved around a bunch, letting my kids be involved on the phone and FaceTiming with other people has been a positive experience for us. Do you see positives from phone usage in your house? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's why I actually started the book with like a long list of all the good things that phones do. They are amazing devices, truly amazing. Um, I have a niece that's a baby in New York that I had not met for the whole pandemic. And I watched her sleeping on my phone, like on her crib. Like it's, I felt like I visited with her every day. I mean, there are miracles that happen on the phone every day. Um, Some people have life-saving devices on their phones, military families, people who have family all over the world. So, I mean, I think, creatively, educationally, um, in terms of keeping people close. It's absolutely amazing. So I, I'm not anti-phone. I'm just, let's give them more education about it. Yeah. And let's not be scared to talk about it. Like if you're going to give your kids a computer basically in their pocket, we have to talk about all the potential things. Um, just like we do with yeah. puberty and health. Like we, we, we need to take it as something we need to have, um, like bumpers with our kids and kind of walk with them. But that's actually a good point because I think uh, traditionally we've kind of held out as long as possible to give kids phones. But I actually don't think that's a great idea because I think it is much better to give them, you know, a phone with bumpers where you're highly involved and you can educate them over the course of a couple of years. By the time they're 14, 15, that window is closing. Um, but 11, 12, they're very open to you being involved and doing social media together and letting you look through their texting. You know, come 16, I'm, I don't think it's right for me to look through my 16-year-old's phone unless I have a very serious concern. Um, so I think getting them a little earlier where you can get those guardrails on, I think is 
a good idea. Yeah, we don't look at it that way because we were so scared of it at the beginning, I think, right? Like we didn't grow up with this technology, so we don't know how to hand it over to our kids because it was so novel to us. Yeah, and it was scary and we thought we could protect them. Mm-hmm. But we can literally no longer protect our kids because everyone else has a phone. So you can wait until your kid is 14, but it's irrelevant. They can have social media on their friend's account. Like you, well, you or if you have it. any sort of tablet, you basically have given them a phone, um, just without the ability to call easily. Cause they can still make phone calls on a tablet <laughs> and text. Absolutely. Right. Like they can do almost everything. Um, and they, they know how to access every Wi-Fi that you can access. <laughs> Better than you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I love the things that we've been able to do. Like I've been able to FaceTime with my two-year-old nephew who was also born during the pandemic. My kids send memes back and forth and horrible jokes with their grandparents, right? Things that they wouldn't be able to do as easily without their own devices. Yeah, yeah. That stuff is precious, you know? It's really wonderful. I have a question for you. With all of this social media in your in your life and taking care of kids and, and helping families, how do you take care of yourself? Do you have a self-care yeah. idea with how you you or maybe it's self-care with phones, because that's that's a topic in your book too. Yeah. So two things for self-care for me, like in general, um being outside, being in nature, um, always resets me. I happen to live not too far from the beach. So um that's when I'm starting to feel not so great. That's go outside. That's an immediate help for me. Um, and traditionally, I never slept with my phone. That was like a very big rule in our house. And during the pandemic, especially in the beginning when I was having so much trouble sleeping, I slept with headphones and listened to a meditative podcast, which was amazing. But in order to do that, I had to have my phone near me, which is not amazing. Um, and um, now I need to go back to figuring out how I'm going to sleep without it um, because I hate it. <laughs> so um, working on that is like my next self-care project is to um, find something else to kind of help me with, you know, disconnecting and going to sleep, but not have it on my phone. Absolutely. Isn't it amazing how self-care can be using your phone sometimes, but also not using your phone? Yeah, absolutely. There are, I mean, there's so many good meditative um, and meditation like podcasts and apps and mental health apps, like amazing. I actually wrote a whole course for college about all the technology uses in mental health, um, but be smart about it and I realized I had turned the corner um, and that it was not good I I mean for me it's more about wasting time at night I would already be sleeping um, even without my podcast I am just wasting time getting to the podcast so um, I think I might just like lock my phone out so that I don't have access to it except for the app which you can do that that would help Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of buffers, right? Like we talk about this with my kids. Like I have screen time alerts that turn on and they're like, mom, you can't get to an app. I'm like, I know. Isn't it annoying? I used up all my time. I'm trying to not use it. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For me, I did that actually only in the last few months after I wrote the book and I I looked at what my screen time was. (laughs) I was horrified at how much time I was spending on Facebook and Instagram. Just those two things doing absolutely nothing. Um, not even posting, just looking. And yep. <laughs> um, so I give myself an hour a day, which is still plenty of time. And I'm shocked at how early that runs out <laughs> in the day. And, and, and I'm like, that's, that just shows me like, I need this alarm. I need this blocker, you know, to kind of keep me 
to doing other things that I actually do want to do. Yeah. And those are the type of conversations I like having with my kids. Like I'm failing at this. I'm not putting other expectations on you that are different than what I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly. This is for me too. This is for all of us. Cause again, these devices are made for us to get our attention on them. They're made to addict us and to attract us and to make it so we can't get off. I mean, you keep using the word sticky is the stickiest thing of all time. So thank you so much for writing this book. Um, where people can find it on Amazon. Is that right? Or where do you want people to buy it from you? Anywhere books are sold. Um, and if it's not at your local bookseller, you can ask for it or it's definitely available on Amazon. Yeah. And I know I've put in a request for our local library system too. So people can definitely try that to, to have more access for people. Well, I have one more question for you, Catherine. Every episode also ends with a family fun idea. How are you having fun as a family? Uh, Well, during the pandemic, we got a dog. Uh, (laughs) Actually, we lost a dog first, and I thought she was going to be my one and only dog. And three days later, we were like, nope, this isn't going to work. We're going to need a puppy. Um, So we got a dog, and I actually think this dog has just, brought us so together as a family so you know honestly fussing over the dog is thing that i think my kids are older they're you know late teens right um so you know we gotta take whatever we can get Mm -hmm. in terms of family time um and i just think actually like really obsessing about the dog and also my daughter's in college and the number one quickest way for me to get her to text me is i just text the picture of the dog she texts me oh my gosh that's so cute and I'm like, proof of life. She's good. Everything is fine. Um, so That's a me, good life hack. Is, yeah. Oh, it's the best. Just text their animals to them at college. They will immediately text you back. Um, and I would say the other thing is um, game shows. Like we we watch um, a lot of like Jeopardy and Family Feud, which is horrible, but horrible in a good way, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So that's our. It's like fun. watching a living meme. Watching Family Feud. <laughs> it's I can't even believe how horrible it is, and yet we still watch it. Yeah, I mean it's gawking. I mean it's just fun gawking. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think we we've we've had a whole Steve Harvey meme day in my family texting with me and the kids. So, I mean, it's a whole thing. Family. He's right for memes. Yeah, he's perfect for memes. (laughs) I mean, he is like the maker of memes. Yes. Agreed. And his face is like, he's just funny to me. Yeah. Just he he's so responsive. So emotive. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. So where can people find you if they want to help, if they want to keep learning from you? Because I know your Instagram reels have been pretty good recently. Where can people, where do you want them to continue a relationship with you after they pick up this book and read it with their kids? My website is uh, thefamilycoach.com and I have some resources on there for the book um, that they can download and I post articles there as well. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I mean, sorry, Facebook and Twitter, I'm the family coach. And on Instagram, I'm the family coach says. Okay. So I love to hear from parents about how the book worked for them, any challenges that they have, um, just questions. I really love uh, feedback from families. So anyone can get in touch anytime. Fantastic. That's always so good to hear because sometimes when you read a book like this, you're like, ooh, but what about this situation? How would she do this? It's always good to... It's helpful because then I can see like, oh, if I hear from a a certain number of people, I'm like, oh, a a lot of people are struggling with this one thing. Maybe I'll write an article about it. Maybe I'll do um, a live about it or something. You know, it's it's that's something I hadn't thought of. So it's good when I hear from people. Generally, people are asking the same thing. So it's helpful. (laughs) That's good to hear because sometimes we're so afraid to ask the question. 
that <laughs> we don't want to yeah. seem dumb. Oh, I've heard it all. I promise whatever you think is dumb, hundreds of other people are dealing with the exact same thing. I've gone into hundreds of homes. I've seen all the same things. We're all struggling with the same things. So, no shame. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for writing this book. It was a delight to read. I can't wait to get the hard copy and read it with my nine-year-old because he's going to be getting his phone soon. Um, we've walked this path with my 14-year-old and 15-year-old and and your book would have helped and I'm going to make them reread it just because. So thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This is my very friendly reminder that you are exactly the right mom for your kids. And your kids are exactly the right kids for you. So just lean in together. Find your intuition. Take that deep breath. And remember, you don't have to love every moment, but you can still choose to be loving. I'm so glad you're here. Have a great day. And text this to friends. I'm sure that lots of people are having these conversations about kids and smartphones. Text it and then continue the conversation in real life. You're amazing. Have a great day. Let's keep calm and mother on together.